Good morning and Merry Christmas from me. I was so focused on getting my stuff up here that I totally forgot to take a microphone. Uh, well, it is a fantastic day that we get to celebrate Christmas together this year. And as we look ahead to 2019, um, I believe that we have plenty of reason to be encouraged and to have hope as we go into a new year, and uh, you're in a church, so even if you found yourself here by accident or someone, you know, kind of, uh, I don't know, tricked you into, into coming this morning, um, I want to tell you categorically, I absolutely believe that Jesus is the hope for humanity. I believe that he is the hope for Christmas. I believe he's the hope for 2019. I believe he's the hope for your marriage. He's the hope for your career and your business. He's the hope for uh, the deepest needs that we actually have. I love that verse that you just saw on the screen. I want to read it to you one more time found in Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6. This is a prophecy by the way um, that Isaiah wrote uh, 700 years before Jesus actually came to earth. Uh, This was one of about 300 prophecies that Jesus fulfilled um, which is statistically impossible. So, so either either a whole bunch of people managed to kind of lie about it, or Jesus actually fulfilled 300 prophecies. But I love this foretelling that Isaiah says about Jesus in terms of who he's going to be. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called. And I love these four statements, these four names. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of peace. And it is our prayer for you this Christmas and for 2019 that you'll get to experience Jesus, not just know or agree or like, but that you'll actually get to experience Jesus as your wonderful counselor, your mighty God, everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. I'm sure you would assume this, but let me just emphasize again that nothing in the Bible is there by accident. God was very intentional as he inspired uh, the biblical authors uh, with every word that they used, with every name that they used, which is quite different to some parents nowadays. I don't know if you've ever come across names where you're thinking, were they drunk? Like, were they high? What, are, they, are they trying to make life hard for their kids? Like, where did they come up with some of these names? I found a few names on the internet recently that I thought I'd share with you. There were a whole bunch I found that I couldn't share with you. But the first one, uh, Lancelot, super sad. His parents apparently tried to compensate for the surname with something really significant like Lancelot, but he's a major league uh, baseball player. And anyway, his parents didn't really help out the matter. The next guy is Cash Register. Like, this is legit. This is on TV. Cash Register. He was exonerated. I don't know of what. Then this next gentleman works for the iStore. So he's an Apple specialist with the name Sam Sung. I think that's pretty awkward. Then the next picture shows us some movie credits. And apparently this guy wasn't involved in the kitchen, but his name is Chris P. Bacon. Sticking with food, the next gentleman's parents obviously thought this was funny when they called him broccoli. Again, this is legit. These are all, these are all real names. Um, someone's obviously a Harry Potter fan. They named their kid, amongst other things, Lord Voldemort. And Crystal Ball is a consultant on TV. <laughs> Jedi Knight 
is obviously the son of some Star Wars fans, and my favorite is Dr. Wet Farts. Like, why would you do that to your kids? If you've had children, there's a good chance that you put some, some thought, I'm hoping, okay, clearly these parents didn't, but, but some thought into your children's names and, and the meaning behind it. Uh, I know for us, when, when our first uh, biological daughter was born, and we obviously spent some time trying to think of the significance and, and what we'd like to call her. So, so we wanted to give her a, a double barrel name, Taylor Grace, because we felt that Grace um, had played such a significant role in our lives. And we wanted to honor God of that. And we felt that that's something that we want to speak into our daughter's life as, as we go on. And so we were very intentional with that. In fact, just by sheer coincidence, and we love this, when our oldest daughter um, came into our family as a teenager, it was only some time later on that we discovered the meaning of her middle name, which is Nema, which in Swahili is also Grace. So we, we just love the fact that there's actually some significance. In fact, some of you have been called things that you've allowed to define you. Some people have called you things that, that God actually never meant for you to be called, and you've allowed that to actually uh, define and, and have an influence on your destiny. And just as a side note, I want to encourage you to be very careful whose voice you're listening to. And that could even be a family member. But if it's not God, then there's a good chance it's not good. And I want to encourage you to listen out to what God calls you, how, how He looks at you, who He says you are. So, so it is not an accident that, that the Father calls the Son a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, everlasting Father, which might sound strange, I'll explain that in a moment, and Prince of Peace. I want to take a look at just these four names and the significance that that has for us today, tomorrow, 2019, and frankly, the rest of your life. I believe that, that in these four names, so much hope and healing is promised to us. The first one is that of wonderful counselor. Um, the, the, the Old Testament of the Bible was originally uh, written in Greek. And so, and so we've, we have translations that we read today. Uh, the words wonderful and counselor, the word wonderful actually in the original language means too wonderful for words. Jesus is too wonderful. Like, like we're trying to put words into it. We're trying to describe how good he is, but Jesus is too wonderful for words. A wonder, a miracle, a marvel. The word is used to represent something unusual or extraordinary, exceptional, or distinguished. And of course, a counselor is someone who, who's able to discern what we need and is able to guide and encourage us. And I want to tell you that our wonderful counselor is, is humble and gentle, and he wants to teach, he wants to lead, he wants to guide. He is only ever life-giving. Jesus, our wonderful counselor, is only ever life-giving. Take a look at what he says about himself in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. He's, he's inviting people towards this wonderful counselor. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. I don't know if anyone at this time of year would be tired from the year or feeling a little bit weary. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you. Because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. I love that phrase that, that not only will we find rest. In other words, not, not only will 
He gives us permission to cease working for a while. He'll give us rest for our souls. He gives us rest, not just from work, but the work beneath the work. So often we rest superficially where, where we just take a break, but he's actually wanting to bring a level of refreshing, a level of replenishment and, and restoration from some of the striving, some of the insecurity, some of the fear and some of the anxiety. We will find rest for our souls. And he goes on to say, for my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. And I've got to tell you that for many years of my adult life trying to serve God, that verse has not felt true for me. And it's taken me a long time to come to realize that actually, again, if, if, if something doesn't feel consistent with the Bible and my own life, I think I'm the one who's needing to adjust. I don't think it's the Bible that's wrong. And so as I have tried to persevere in, in just discerning and understanding this, I have come to realize that there are many times where I'm carrying burdens and I'm, and I'm stuck with a yoke that God never put on me. And, I'm, and that could even be doing good things. He says his yoke is actually, like, it's bearable. If you're feeling crushed by a weight, I want to encourage you, that's not God. So I, I, I can't help but, but try and think practically, okay, well, if that's who you are and that's what you offer to us, what is it that we have to do? Because I believe that God always partners with us. Um, God always um, causes us and calls us to sow, but then he brings the harvest. So, so there's the part that only God can do, but then there's the part And this might offend some of you, but then there's the part that only we can do. God doesn't do the part for us that we can do, and we can't do the part for God that only he can do. And so the part that I think we have to to, to play in this relationship with him as our wonderful counselor is very simple. It's not profound. It is simply that we have to listen. We actually have to slow down and position ourselves to listen. If you've ever been to a, a counselor or a psychologist or a a coach of any sort, or maybe even a life coach, etc. cetera. Um, th- th- there's something about that where you actually, like, like you make time and you go and you sit down and you slow down and you actually uh, focus on what it is that you're wanting to get some perspective on. And it takes honesty, which is harder than some of us realize. Because sometimes it's not that we're trying to lie to God. We're just not even being that honest with ourselves because we, we're, we're just planning. We're just trying to survive. We're just getting, getting through the next day, the next week. And, and I think God invites us to actually slow down, to be honest with him. Because again, if you've ever sat down with someone where you're looking for some advice or some, some guidance, um, generally speaking, you talk first. But hopefully you're not giving them the solution. Otherwise you would have it and you'd be applying it. You're giving them, you're surrendering the problem. You're, you're explaining what it is that you need some, some perspective on. So, so first, the counselor is listening as you are honest. By the way, this is how we can approach God. God, I, I don't know what the answer is, but I'm really struggling with this. I'm, I'm so tired of feeling frustrated or disappointed or like I'm failing or, or, or that is never, I'm never good enough. God, I, I don't know what else to do. So there's the talking, but then, but then there's the listening. There's the slowing down to listen. And I wanna encourage you that it also takes patience. Listening and trying to understand and trying to apply, it takes patience. I want to encourage you to be patient, to be honest, and to be teachable with the wonderful counselor. And I believe that as we position ourselves to listen, I think you may just be surprised that God actually talks to you. And, and by the way, that's why we start the year off every January with just the last couple of years. We're doing it again from the 14th of January to the 3rd of Feb, where we just encourage people 
in their own personal, private capacity to take three weeks, to take 21 days for prayer and fasting. And that looks like whatever you feel like it needs to look like. In most cases, we really encourage people to do a bit of a soul fast where we just turn down the, the volume of the world so that we can tune into the voice of God. And so we just, we just get rid of some of the, the additional white noise, the clutter that, that can so easily consume our, our spare time so that we can just, just tune in a little bit more. I have no doubt that for some of us, 2019 will hinge. So whether, it's, whether, you, whether you thrive or survive, 2019 will hinge on whether or not we will slow down to listen to our wonderful counselor. Then it says that not only is he our wonderful counselor, but he is our mighty God. He is our mighty God. That word mighty in the original uh, Greek text refers to a warrior, a hero, a fighting soldier, a champion. A hero of the people because he is willing to fight for the welfare of the people. It literally means hero God or champion God, warrior God, a God who fights for his people. Exodus 15 verse 3 says that the Lord is a warrior. And the very next verse after the the main verse that we started off and the one that we're unpacking today, Isaiah 6 verse uh, uh, 9 verse 6, the next verse, Isaiah 6 verse 7 also goes on to describe the the might and the power of him, where it says that his government and his peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment, listen to this, of the Lord of heaven's armies will make it happen. The Lord of heaven's armies. I love that phrase. Jesus is a kind and gentle teacher and counselor he, he is also meek, but that word meek doesn't mean weak. To be meek means strength under control. So, so he is those things, but there's also this part to him to where he is our mighty warrior, hero, champion, God. He is all-powerful. He is able to lead. He is, he, he's not just able to deliver. He is the deliverer. When when we know him, when we are in a relationship with him, we are walking with the overcomer, with the conqueror, with the deliverer. And our response, if we're, if we're getting practical, how do, we, how do we facilitate this power in our lives? It is simply through humility. In fact, there's, there's, there's no, I think, no greater single character trait that is going to affect your relationship with God than the trait of humility because it takes humility to listen. It takes humility to be teachable. It takes humility to slow down and to, and to dare to trust and, and obey. Take a look at what the Bible says about humility. 2 Peter verse, uh, 5 verse 5 says, and all of you dress yourselves in humility as you relate to one another for God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. He opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Sometimes when we're you know, in a conflict um, or we are fighting for something, but there's an arrogance to it, there's, there's, there, there's actually an unhealthy self-centeredness and, 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 and an unteachability, we can think that we're fighting against that other person or that other party, but, but what we don't realize is very often we're actually fighting against God. When, when we humble ourselves, he fights for us. When we are arrogant, we're fighting against him. 
It's kind of like if, you, if you're lining up in a, in a sports match um, and, and you have this team against you. When, you're, when you are proud, you're on the opposite side of the line to God. When you are humble, not only is he on your side, but, but in fact, he's actually behind you, kind of, kind of pushing you, empowering you, lifting you up. It goes on in verse 6 to say, so humble yourselves under the mighty power of God. And at the right time, that's the part that most of us don't like, at the right time, because we want it to be our time, right? At least I do. At the right time, though, he will lift you up in honor. When I humble myself, God lifts me up. When I try to lift myself up, it doesn't go very well. God gives grace to the humble. And then the next verse, verse seven says, give all your worries and cares or, or cast, some versions say, cast all your anxieties onto him for he cares about you. The antidote to some extent to some of our worries, some of our, our anxiety is simply humility where we're saying, God, I don't know what the next step is, I, I, but, but help me, show me what I can do and help me to trust you with what I can't do. Can I, can I give you a couple of tips very quickly just on some, some signs uh, of what humility is or is not? Number one, very quickly, when, a conversa- uh, when in a conversation, talk less about you. Nobody likes walking away from a conversation where all they've done is focus on, on you. Number two, don't believe the myth that you have to promote yourself to get ahead. Let God promote you. That's harder than that sounds. That doesn't mean don't work hard, don't be diligent. Of course, do your best, be faithful, get there early, stay late, do everything that you can, but, but allow God to promote you. When you force your own promotion, you might land up somewhere that you don't wanna be. Number three, you are not self-made. We are all standing on someone else's shoulders. Number four, if you have built something significant, it's God who has given you that ability. That doesn't mean that you can't enjoy it and, and take some credit, but but let's give God the glory for the ability. Number five, do the little things well because they turn into big things. If the little things are beneath you, there's little chance that there'll be big things ahead of you until you learn to humble yourself and do the little things well. Number six, nobody likes a bragger, just so you know on social media. Number seven, ultimately, you're no more valuable than anyone else. Number eight, be gentle and kind with people. Even if you're the boss, never be rude or condescending. You can be strong and kind at the same time. And number nine, if you're demanding honor and respect, that means you haven't earned it. So stop demanding it and earn it. And number 10, if you think these tips are for someone else, download the podcast and go through the list again. He is our... Wonderful counselor, he is our mighty God. Number three, he is our everlasting father. That word everlasting means eternal, continual, never ending. Like he is permanently, persistently available to us. And the father, of course, refers to the head of a family or or the founder, the, the originator. So even though in the Trinity, Jesus is the son, in the Trinity, the Godhead, Jesus is the father of our family. He is, he is the father of our faith. He is the originator. He is the initiator of our faith. He does what good dads do. When your kids are a certain age, you pay the bills. If your kids are 30 and you're still paying the bills, 
I'm just saying something's wrong with that picture, okay? But, but, but when they are a certain age, you, you take a responsibility for your kids and, and teenagers as, as they're growing up. And, and this might sound like such a strange uh, parallel, but, but Jesus paid the ultimate debt that we could never pay. Christmas is all about when Jesus came to earth so that he could live as a man, but then die as a man in our place because we couldn't die for our own sins. We couldn't pay the price for our own sins and come out the other side. He, he died for our sins. He paid the price that we couldn't pay so that we could get to enjoy the relationship with our heavenly father that, that he was enjoying already. He's paid an incredible price for us. Romans 8 verse 34 says, Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand pleading for us. Your your everlasting father right now, the Bible tells us, he's actually interceding on our behalf. He's he's our advocate. He, He knows what you're going through, he, this might sound strange to you, but he relates to what you're going through. And, and when you're needing help and you're calling up and he's able to turn to, to God the Father and say, like, I know what that's like. We need to give him some extra help right now. He's interceding on our behalf. That means that he's not the one who condemns us. You have an enemy who condemns you. It's not God. It's not Jesus. Hebrews 4 verse 15 and 16 says that the high priest, this high priest of ours understands our weaknesses for he faced all of the same testings that we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. In other words, you can come with confidence. But it's, a, it's not an arrogance, it's a humble confidence to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. We will find grace. If we will come to him, if we'll, if we'll just come to him, let alone come boldly, confident, we will find the mercy that we need. Which mercy, by the way, means that, that you don't get the punishment that you deserve. Grace means that you get the blessing that you don't deserve. Like, like, like you don't get the negative that you deserve and you get much more than you could ever earn or deserve. Our response to our everlasting father is to trust him. It's to trust him. And again, for kids, for young children, this is a lot easier to do unless their parents have done something terrible to break that trust. And even then, you've got to do a lot to, to, break, your, to break your children's trust when they're young. But, but there's this instinctive faith and trust. And so for some of us, you know, we, we've been in or we're in that, that season of our relationship with God where, where it's easy to trust him. But maybe you're going through a teenage phase right now. And this is no diss on teenagers. I actually think it's God's, I think it's the way God has wired us, that we go through another season in our teen years where we are questioning things, where we are wrestling over things, where we are, where we are continuing to develop our identity. It's not, it's, not a, it's not a criticism. It's not a bad thing. But in our walk with God, in our faith with God, we can get quite disillusioned in, in that teenage season of our relationship with Him. And all I want to encourage you to do is not to give up. Those of you of... You know, there are parents of kids that have come through to the other side. It's kind of like a resurrection, like, oh, I got my kid back. You know, it's, you, you know that, that actually they, they, they may start trusting you again and loving you again, and maybe you don't know nothing again. I'm, I'm saying if you'll hang in long enough, seriously, someone might need to hear that this morning where you just need to persevere a little bit longer 
It doesn't mean that it's not frustrating, that it's not confusing, but as we trust our everlasting Father, I believe that you'll come out to the other side. The worship team can come on up. He is not only our wonderful counselor, our mighty God, our everlasting Father, but lastly, He is our Prince of Peace. That word prince means captain, chief, keeper, ruler, governor. He is in charge of our peace. He is the ruler of our peace. And peace is rest, completeness, tranquility. Jesus is the keeper of our rest, the completeness, and our peace. Jesus doesn't just offer peace. He is peace. And it's not just peace on a kind of like superficial level. Again, I don't know about you, but for me, I love nature. So I love mountains. I love the sea. I love rivers. I I, I must be getting old because I'm even enjoying every now and then the sound of a bird, which I never used to. Um, you know, the, 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 there's something peaceful to, to, some of, to some of these environments, and that's wonderful. There, there is that incredible peace to be enjoyed when there's just the cessation of, of stress and, and, and pressure, and where you can just enjoy something beautiful. That's, that's amazing. That's, that's lovely. But, but to be honest with you, that's still a superficial level of peace. Jesus actually offers a peace that goes even deeper than that. You see, that peace that I just described, that's a peace that we enjoy when everything's going right, when, when everything's beautiful. And, you know, for many of us, when we take a short break or you go away for a weekend or, or whatever the case is, you know, you feel like, oh, I've got to go back to life. And I really don't want you to feel like that at the beginning of 2019. You don't have to enjoy a bit of a holiday and go back to work I know some of you are going back to work this week already. I don't want you to go back with a sense of, oh, like we've, got to go, we've got to go back to reality. Like, life sucks. Okay, let's endure until December next year. I promise you, that's not the life that Jesus paid for. He actually offers a peace that goes much deeper, that even in the battle, even in the chaos, even in the mess, even in the conflict, even in the strife, that He's still able to offer us peace. I just want to encourage you just to, just to think a little bit deeper. And maybe, maybe even as we just slow down for a moment, you might discover that for the most part, if, 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 if God appeared in front of you and asked you, hey, what can I do for you? Your first thoughts, if you think about it, may actually be fairly superficial. Like God, solve this, resolve that, give this, make that happen. I want to encourage you for a moment to think a little bit deeper because a lot of the time we're talking about the symptoms, something that's going to make us happy, something that's going to make us feel something. But we're often missing the real need, the real issue. And I believe that God wants to bring healing and hope to the deepest issues of our lives. He wants to bring rest for our soul. And the only response that we can give to, or, or the way that we facilitate this peace in our lives is through surrender. And yes, surrender's hard. <laughs> you mean, I've got to let go? Again, that doesn't mean don't take responsibility for where you can. 
But when you've done what you can, can you let go with the, with the rest, with the end of the story? I'd love to encourage you just to close your eyes for a moment. Just, I want you just to have a private moment before I pray for you and before we end off with a song. No looking around, no wondering about anybody else. Just, just, just you and God for a moment. And by the way, that includes, that includes many people that, that might not be in a relationship with God yet. You're exploring or investigating. There's no, God's not offended with you, by you, God. He's not insecure about that. I think God loves it when people that are not sure say something like, if you're real. So, in fact, I want to encourage you to have a bit of integrity in this and to say, God, if you're real, I'm just going to give you the chance if you're real. to make me aware of your thoughts, to make me aware of your heart. God, if you are real, then help me to have a sense, to, to see, to, to, to experience how you are my wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace.